Coming to you from the megacity metropolis of Toronto, this is the Cave of Solitude, your pop culture and comic book podcast. I'm your host, Eric Anthony, and this is episode 333. John Daly, my man. How's it Yo, going, buddy? Good. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. It's so uh, I'm so happy that we're getting around to doing this. We've been talking about it for a while of just doing a a wrestling pod together. Uh, I got the sign That's true, actually. going with Shane. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, I need to get Sean and Mike, and we just got to talk wrestling a little more frequently because it's the one it's the one part of my podcast I just want to dig my teeth. In. Every time we talk, it's like we got so much to say. That's and, that's the thing. It's like we're already talking about wrestling. <laughs> yeah, right. We might as well talk more about wrestling. That's exactly. So uh, for this episode, everybody, thank you, everyone, for listening, by the way, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any other platform, subscribe, like the show, follow Sean. He's awesome. Sean, where can they follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sean Daly. And then actually, I'm I'm pretty much everywhere just under my full name, Sean Daly, S-H-A-W-N. D-A-L-E-Y. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, I make comics um, full time. That's So most of the stuff I'm posting is uh, art and comic related stuff, but uh, I'm always down to talk wrestling as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You're a, you're a bit of a wrestling aficionado. Yeah. And anyone who's listened to me podcast for, if you've ever listened to me on a show, I'll usually bring up one of Sean's books as <laughs> something people have to read because they are actually that good. And he's my buddy, so I want him Thank to you. succeed. But Thank they you. are your books are fantastic. I really appreciate that, man. Thank you. What's the latest thing that that is uh, coming our ways? Uh, the latest thing is called Illumon. It's basically like what if Pokemon and Dragon Ball Z combined, <laughs> like fused. Uh, I've I love Akira Toriyama and I love Dragon Ball, and I've always been a huge fan. And I grew up with Pokemon, but I've always wanted kind of a version of Pokemon that's a bit more adult oriented or with right. like a, a little bit more drama and violence. So I'm kind of doing my own version of that. Uh, yeah, it's basically Pokemon influenced by Dragon Ball. So that's great. Uh, yeah, it's it's been a ton of fun. The first book was on Kickstarter in January. I'm just waiting for it from the printer and then it's going to be sent out. Uh, but if anybody wants a copy, uh, just shoot me a message. I'll make sure you get one. Awesome. You're so cool, dude. Uh, <laughs> we got to have you on the Omniverse Comics Guy podcast, the other show that I'm on. And we'll get into a lot of the comic stuff that you've got coming out and wow. co- working on. And You've always got stuff in the fires burning. So <laughs> there's, some, there's usually something. <laughs> and you got that Arn Anderson feature, right? That biography of Arn Anderson yeah, that you worked yeah, on? I, that's right, actually. That's pretty topical. I, I drew half of... Uh, the upcoming Arn Anderson uh, comic biography, which was obviously a dream come true. There was just like, I never thought I'd get the chance to do something that cool. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's just like, it was just pretty wild. The more I think about it, the more I'm just like, how did that even happen? When does um, that come out? Uh, that's a good question. The last I saw it was in previews and pre-orders were being fulfilled. Uh, so I believe if it's not out, it's later this year, but I... I I should know that, and I'm sorry that I don't. But uh, that's okay, because when it comes out, I'm definitely gonna get it, read it, and I want to talk about it with you. <laughs> cool, excellent, yeah. Because that's, that's right up our alley, right? We oh, could... for sure, yeah, yeah. So there's I so many questions to ask in regards <laughs> to 
creating or recreating somebody's wrestling story through a comic book, right? Because sure. there's so many things you can reference and, and go to. That's cool. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're going to talk today, everybody, what I meant to say before we got into that preamble. We're going to talk today about a pay-per-view that me and Sean both happened to be at uh, separately with our own group. You, who, did, who did you go? Did you go with a big group? I went with my friend uh, Jeff, Jeff Estrella. And, uh, shout out to wow. Jeff. Yeah, shout out to Jeff. Excellent, excellent guy. And then uh, Megan Carter, who's an amazing cartoonist who has a Kickstarter on right now that you should check out. Uh, Godslave, I believe. And her wonderful husband, who I met for the first time. Who's, and they're both huge wrestling fans. All we did was hang out and talk wrestling the entire uh, afternoon <sighs> evening that we spent together. It was beautiful. <laughs> it's, that sounds like the best. I yeah. want my... I went with my buddy Polly, uh, buddy Matt that we work with as well. He hooked up, hooked us up with the tickets. Shout out oh, to them. So but, cool. But uh, my uh, my buddy Polly was my foreman at my last company, and he's gotten me. I got to give him the credit for a lot of me getting back into wrestling. Oh, I've been cool. going to Parkdale Mall to watch like the Demand Lucha stuff. <laughs> nice. I've been really following a little bit of the live things that happen in Toronto, just for the fun of it, of going out night at the boys. Yeah. I've been trying to keep up with AEW weekly when I can. Yeah. But I'm I'm getting that feeling. I don't know about you. Maybe I'm like jumping on the bandwagon way too late, but I'm getting that 1998 feeling of wrestling. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no. I I agree. There's I feel like it's so me I feel like I felt that way for the past about three years since about yeah. late 2019, early 2020, um, when Dynamite really started to, you know, it was announced as a thing and the first round of stories were being told on that show. It was like, oh, wow, there's competition again. <laughs> this isn't right. a one-man show anymore. This is real. Right, right. And that is how I felt during 1998 because it was like, well, if I don't like WWE I'll, or WWF, I'll go watch WCW. And if I don't like that, I'll go watch WWF. And yeah, having that option again is so sweet. Are you watching WWE as much as AEW? Is there one uh, that you lean to more? Not yeah, I watch uh, AEW a, a lot more, but it's nice to have the option. And every once in a while, I'll toss on a, you know, one of the WWE pay-per-views, for example. Uh, Money in the Bank was mm. a couple weeks ago, and that was a blast. I had so much fun. Uh, even though I wasn't really familiar with many of the stories, except for the Roman Reigns story, because it's been going on for like, a while. Yeah, it's been happening for years and years, and it's and it's just a top-notch story. Like they did, they've done an amazing job telling uh, his story and his ascension to where he is now. It's a, uh, it's probably one of re wrestling's best stories um, that they've ever I've, told. I've, to be been, I've been hearing that more and more and more. People are like, if you haven't watched the Bloodline, and it's been years, right? Yeah, yeah, years, yes. Um, and I mean, the story, there's an amazing, amazing video that came out a couple weeks ago by a YouTuber called Super Eyepatch Wolf. And he basically, it's an hour and a half, and he breaks down the entire Roman Reigns story from when The Shield debuted in 2012 to wow. when they split up and he was on his own and he was struggling and he couldn't pull his weight. And then, you know, his sickness comes back and he takes time off and he comes back. It's just right. a monster. And it was like, man, what a change. What a huge change. Um, 
but hearing it all told back kind of in chronological order and remembering all this stuff was just like whoa this that this whole story has just been insane and incredible and that's that's really cool to see them do something like that because in wrestling even within the WWE or any any era characters shift so much that they don't sometimes you forget like wait a second wasn't didn't he used to be like this and it just that that escapism yeah um just makes you kind of forget like weren't they friends once and later down the road you forget that they were once best friends and now they're worst enemies but to have that continuity of a character like being followed and sticking to that story is very comic book like right when it's done well because yeah, exactly. paying attention to the yeah. details and you're not you're not doing anything that doesn't make sense right yeah yeah it's all very logical and i think that's why people love this current iteration of Roman Reigns and the story that they're telling, because everything is like logical. It's all logical storytelling. It all makes sense. Right. And sometimes that's really hard to get in wrestling. Um, I can't remember who said it, but they were like, you know, when wrestling is done well, it's just as potent and as engaging and as emotional as an HBO show. You know, it really like, is. Yeah. Yeah. When it's done no, well. No, you're right. And, that's like I, I had said to uh, my buddy Dave, we were ta- I was talking about Do a Powerbomb by Daniel yeah. Warren Johnson. I don't know if you've read it yet. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so good because he captures the essence of, of what wrestling is. Right. The ridiculousness of it as well as the heart of it. And I, I explained to him, I go, the best metaphor I could give someone for wrestling is that it's like Christmas. <laughs> is Christmas real? Is Santa real? Is, you know, do people believe in Jesus all the time when they celebrate? Like, it doesn't matter which part of it you believe. There's aspects right. of it that are are real, yes, and yeah. some that are more real to to people in different regards. And and it's whichever part of it you like. There's there's something that when it's done well, the music's right, the the drink of choice is nice and warm, <laughs> the right movies on TV, everyone's happy. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, right? that's a really good way to put it. Uh, and it's true. That's I feel, um, I feel the way that I do about wrestling as I, I do basically any other important storytelling medium in my yeah. life you know it's like like you said when it's done well like it's there's nothing quite like it and yeah there's something for everybody to enjoy so what is it about i'm i'm not getting into this pay-per-view yet but i want to know for you what is it about aew that you enjoy a little bit more than you know the classic wwe i still say wwf but wwe I do too, yeah. <laughs> it well for me the first thing is the wrestling i think yeah that you know it's hard to uh it, it's hard to to watch wwe and um see amazing wrestling you know uh they pull it out on pay-per-views for sure but the weekly show um it's gotten better. It's gotten way, way better. But at the same time, it's really hard to beat the amazing roster that AEW has. Even though a lot of them were from WWE, they just were never used properly. So you never saw uh, their capabilities, essentially. Yeah, I feel like AEW is a is a fans, like an old school wrestling fans type of thing. Yes, it is, yeah. Because um, they there's the psychology... Like, I've always been 
maybe because of the type of my like my favorite wrestler was an in-ring storyteller just as much as outside the ring but it was the action it was the physicality of the story like they're actually fighting to be the best right you know that belt meant something to them and in AEW it feels like that too like I'm trying to prove that I'm going to steal the show tonight yeah yeah you know and everyone on every week you feel like someone's you see I see stuff on the weekly show where I'm like what do they say for the pay-per-view if they're doing (laughs) this on the show like you're having dream matches sometimes that's right yes um yeah and that's a really good question it's like well where do you go from here but I think because their roster is now like huge there's so many people on it there are so many combinations of matches that you can be having there. So it's just fun to watch them. It's so much fun to watch them. Uh, even like, so for me, I think the stories in AEW are a little bit second to the wrestling. Yeah. Um, it's a, you know, and they're still great. And I still love uh, some of the more entertaining, very cool stories. Almost anything involving MJF has been entertaining as hell. So, oh yeah. He's such a great classic heel classic heel just oh god love to hate him love to hate him yeah it's almost like you want him how much of a jackass can you be please yeah (laughs) you know you almost root for it i mean i don't know about you but at forbidden door everyone in my section was chanting for him uh and just cheering i had i i I wore a a burberry scarf oh okay cool so yeah you do yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's so cool um I'm just plugging in my computer. Sorry, my mic is. Yeah. I was uh, I was at my mom's just a week before the show, and she had happened to have a Burberry scarf on her jacket. It was my stepfather's. I said, "Mom, what are you doing with this scarf for the next week?" <laughs> She's like, "Actually, I just love MJF." And uh... yeah, exa- yeah, exactly. She's like, "Please bring that scarf back. It means a lot to me." Yeah. But That's um, so cool. yeah, no, it was it was fun. It was so forbidden door. Yeah, that's what we came. That's what we came here to talk about. We're gonna get into it. How many pay per view live pay per views have you been to? Oh man, so probably more recently than when I was a kid. I mean, when I was a kid, it was basically WrestleMania uh, 18, and I think that was it. As an adult, I've been to every one that they've done here in the last like 10 years, roughly, which. To be honest, I can't remember what most of those were. I know, oh, they did SummerSlam here, I think, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. It was either that or Survivor. It was probably Survivor Series, actually. I think it was SummerSlam, actually. I had some friends who went. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, SummerSlam. You're right. Yeah. It was when I think it was when Lesnar beat Goldberg. No, Goldberg beat Brock Lesnar in like 18 seconds or something like crazy. Something wild happened where. I think it was Goldberg. I hate I'm, Goldberg. I'm, yeah. Well. <laughs> oh man! Every time, like, whenever they bring him about, I'm just like, he doesn't even want to be here. Like, yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, it was very weird that he just had like a yeah. run with the title in you know the mid 2000. Uh, he was such, like, a, yeah. such a big name at the biggest time, and I feel in for me, and this might be harsh. I'm like. Everyone hates on the Ultimate Warrior, but I think Warrior was better than Goldberg. Uh, definitely like a more entertaining character, 100%, in, in every single way. <laughs> That's what uh, I, mean. I mean. Like, I would rather watch an Ultimate Warrior match that was 20 minutes 
than a Goldberg <laughs> yeah. smash match. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Because at least you were invested in some of the story and the shenanigans and the, you know, shaking the ropes. Like there was some, there was a, a, a toy come to life. Yes. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, Goldberg was just like a poor man, Steve Austin, who <laughs> had no personality. He Anyways. definitely had no personality. Um, even when they started letting him talk, he had no personality. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh-huh. good. Which I think maybe was um, one of the, and not for me, but maybe for some people, that was one of the appeals of the characters that uh, he was just a guy who showed up, speared somebody, and left. And people thought that was the coolest thing ever. I think that worked as a, uh, what do you call it, sports entertainer, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But not as a professional wrestler. Um not that you had too much of that in WCW anyways. You had the cruiserweights. Um, you had guys like Jericho and and Ray and Eddie and, you know, the, the wrestlers wrestlers, essentially. They but had the best wrestlers at the time, I feel. At they that time, the they had the best actual wrestlers. And I don't know about you, Sean. We're going on tangents, but that's what we do. <laughs> Looking back, I feel like Randy Savage was a lot better like we all we all recognize who he is as far as like classic wrestler but as far as his that in ring work as well as what he did outside of the ring like he he was a wrestler's wrestler yeah if i'm not mistaken a lot yeah you're right a lot of like wrestlers thought the exact same thing um that he you know was obviously an iconic character who people loved but he maybe didn't get the credit that he deserved as far as being you know uh more than like a a sports entertainer he was also he could pull it in the ring you know oh man he could he like and you know i i'm I'm starting to understand like especially with this pay-per-view right when we talk about kenny omega yeah and you think to yourself the measure to me of a of a real great wrestler is how many other wrestlers have had their best match against him sure and that's a great uh, measuring stick i think and I think, and I think Randy Savage, to the '80s and early '90s, was what Brett was in the '90s, was what you know Angle and you know shh, can't say the name, but Benoit was like, <laughs> yeah. But people, how many people had their best match with those guys in their career? And I think that's a true testament to how good somebody was. That's a really good point. It's not so much about the matches that they're having because we know that they could have they could wrestle a broomstick and. Right, um, five stars. It's it's really, yeah. Can they make? Can they carry somebody else and make them look good? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, all those guys easily, easily can do that. They they understand the craft so well. Yeah, like Macho wasn't big, but I don't know. The best match from WrestleMania three to five. It's always him. Yeah. True. Yeah. And it's WrestleMania seven. It was him. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, with a guy who no one liked to work with, you know, like he he stole the show on the you know potentially the real biggest stage ever was ninety three thousand, right. right? Like he stole the show that night. Yeah. So no, it's and and you know, Forbidden Door was it J- June twenty fifth? That's the right day. June twenty ninth. No, June twenty fifth. It was yeah. the 25th. I yeah, because I went to another wrestling event on the 29th. That's why I'm confusing them. Oh, nice. <laughs> but I feel like that was a history-making evening for I professional agree. wrestling. 
Where I, does it rank for you amongst the live shows you've seen? Uh, number one for me. Really? Yeah, easily number one. Uh, I was so excited to... So there was a few matches on that card that I... When they were announced, I was like, I can't believe I'm seeing this. I never thought... I never even knew I wanted to see this match. Uh, something like... Uh, uh, oh, man, what was it? I got to pull up the card. I can, I can read the card. We can. I have it pulled up here. For some yeah, let's of the go matches. through that. Let's talk okay. about these matches. I'm going to just talk about the pay-per-view stuff, not the pre-show. Because I feel that's just too much. Sure, to yeah, cover. That, that works. Yeah. All right, so I don't remember the exact order. But, I, okay, the first match we remember... It was MJF versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the <laughs> yeah. AEW Heavyweight Championship. Um, I think CM Punk was next versus Satoshi Kojima for the Men's Owen Hart Cup Tournament, which is a really yeah. cool match to have in Canada. Yeah. Um, then we get to, I don't remember the order, so if, if you do, correct me, but I think it was Orange Cassidy versus Zack Sabre Jr. versus... Daniel Garcia versus Kasuyori Shibata for right. the AEW International Championship, which was, is that Cassidy's belt? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then we go to, I'm trying to think of how much, Sonata versus yeah. Jungle Boy, That's Jack right. Perry for the yeah. IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Big match there. Yeah. So, and a great ending as well. Um, I don't, yes. Yeah. Yes. Good. It was, it was, it was, it, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, what's after that? Uh, Hangman and the Bucks oh. with Eddie Kingston against yes. Moxley, yes. uh, Castagnoli, uh, Yuta, Takeshita, and uh, I went for a walk. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> Had to stretch the legs for that one. Sure. I'm not, that's the, I'm not the biggest John Moxley fan. I don't know why. I just that's can't funny. get into the guy. That's funny. I. Uh, I love hearing about that, and I'm very curious. Why is that? Do you think? I don't know, because you're. I I watch him because I know that you've referenced him that you really like his finishing move, right? I do. I do. You're like a Moxley him. fan. I'm a huge Moxley fan. Yeah. And I just feel like I'm. I'm. I don't know. There's one thing about modern day wrestling, and I feel like he embodies it a lot. Is that. I'm going to chop you and you chop me and I'm going to chop you and you chop me. And it because like, I know that comes from Japan, that sort of strongman style, yeah, big time, yeah. which I respect that homage to it, but yeah. it's done like almost every match. It feels like nowadays. So I did appreciate yeah. Moxley and Kingston's in ring synergy. You can see that there is a big match there. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yes. And um, I think, I think that guy Kingston, he is definitely a character to, to, watch out for because he's got he's got the crowd in the palm of his hand yeah the the crowd is going to explode if he ever um gets the one two three for the the um world heavyweight championship like they'll explode those people will go bananas if he ever gets to win and uh, win the big one i i'm not very familiar with him but every time he shows up now it's it's bananas it's crazy <laughs> Where, what's his storyline uh Indies, indie guy who has been around for a very long time. Right. Uh, and who's essentially his friends all went on to, you know, um, do Big WWE things. things essentially, but he never quite met them there, uh, which it does ended up not mattering. He didn't have to because he went to AEW and 
obviously that built-in indie wrestling fan base that AEW mm. had, they instantly looked at him and was like, you're finally here. Like, welcome. <laughs> like, you've made it to the big times. And, you know, we want to see you all the way through. Uh, classic indie darling wrestling story, which uh, AEW is full of. And that's, to me, one of the appeals is that we have, you know, we have the next decade of AEW programming to look forward to amazing indie wrestlers you know, seeing them win the, one of the biggest titles in the world now. Uh, yeah. There are so many, there are so many people in AEW who, you know, are going to be able to get these moments that they wouldn't have in other companies, you could say. Yeah, it's uh, it's really cool to see, see it all come back full circle. And it kind of has that like 20 year, wrestling has like this 20 year thing where it, it goes really, really, really big. And then you're going to get 15, 20 years where it's for the fans. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. And and it once it comes back, it's like it's gonna be huge again. Yeah. Because it had that lull in the nineties and everyone kind of shits on the wrestlers that were around at that time, but you got a chance to see much better wrestling for a little bit. For a little bit, yeah. That's right. right. You got yeah. to see Shawn Michaels and Owen Hart and Bread and Razor and one two three kid. Like they were the stuff that people wanted to see that kept yeah. the kept the motor running yes that's right and of course taker yeah and, uh, and then yeah i mean we we went big time into the sports entertainment thing for a little while there um especially into the the early aughts uh, yeah pretty much right up until for like 20 years almost it was yeah yeah almost that. maybe 17 but yeah it wasn't good it was a yeah, weird and, time for wrestling and i mean this this uh this event was like a wrestling fan. Even if I, I didn't know a lot of the Japanese uh, wrestlers. I don't know how familiar you are. Do you watch New Japan as well? I watch their uh, big events um, as they come up. I don't watch their regular broadcasts. But any of the big events, uh, I'm I'm there for. Uh, that started in 2019, maybe? 2020 or so. Uh, once a lot of the Japanese wrestlers started making small AEW appearances, I was like, whoa. It's such a good way to draw the attention. It's it's what WCW did for a bit, right? It's, it is, it, yes. They they did that with uh, Japanese wrestlers. Um, and I'm pretty sure NJPW. I think that they had deal uh, like a deal with NJPW. Um, they had an NWO there in Japan. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Crazy. That's really, really cool. Yeah. I'd be interested to because there's a lot of the uh, the Japanese wrestlers on this card. Many of them were 30 year veterans, like they had been around, yep. and and had they were there out of almost respect and honor, right. as much as name recognition. Yeah, the name recognition demanded that respect and honor. So yeah. for you, what was the match that you were? Well, we didn't go. We didn't finish the going through the card. After that, after the uh, John Moxley, Eddie Kingston. Young boy, that was a big, big tag team. Yeah. Uh, what was after that? Was it Tony Storm versus Willow Nightingale? Uh, yes, it was for the uh, AEW Women's Title. Uh, I thought that match was uh, perfectly fine. Like it serviced it. It was really hard to have that match go on after um, such a a wild tag match before it. Yeah. Um, it was hard, but. Uh, they did a good job. It was uh, 
it was fun. It was a fun match, you know. I, hey, you gonna there's gonna be a lot of show stealers on a card like this. There is, yes. Right. So you're, I mean, just to be on it is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. And then it was Kenny Omega versus Will Osprey. Uh, yep. That was, I mean, match of the night for me, which I think a lot of people knew going in probably would have been. I that's what I was there for because I had yeah, watched part one. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Part one was wild. And so um, I just was like, they're gonna, they're gonna. I hope they do a number three. They have to do a number three. They have to, yeah. Oh, man, whoever gets that match, whatever city, lucky yeah. people. Yeah, I mean, how do you, oh, God. It's like, how do you, how do you outdo what they did? Like, I mean, they will. They will find a way, and they will. But I, I just can't fathom how to, because, uh, I mean, what did you think of the match? Let's, let, let's, let's get to it and dig into that one. Yeah. I'll finish. Let's finish the the card. The next one was Sting, Darby Allen, Tasua, Nato versus Chris Jericho, Minoru Suzuki, and Sammy Guevara, yeah. which was history just for Sting and Jericho facing off for the first time. Which I'm like, that's so funny how their paths never crossed. And then, of course, the main event was Daniel Dyson versus Kazuchika Okada, which I didn't realize how significant this match was because I was yeah. there for the Omega. But this is the one that a lot of people were like, wow, we're going to get this match. Yeah, that's that's what I was here for. That was the match I was most excited about. That's uh, the one. It wasn't it wasn't the Omega one. <laughs> no, that was second for me. Uh, wow. Interesting. OK. Yeah. OK. Match of the night for you. Match of the night for me was uh, Omega and uh, Osprey. Like, nothing beat that. It couldn't, though. I think that was supposed to be match of the night. You know? It was perfect. I've seen a lot, I've seen a lot of live wrestling on TV yep. and then a couple times in person. It was, I, I would have to say, the, the best match I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree. It was, it had everything. It had it all. <laughs> it, it, I didn't, I, I heard on um, Busted Open, I don't know if you listened to that, where yeah. they were talking about the Don Callis coming back kind of ruined the spot. Um, but, but even still, like the match, I want to watch it so bad again. I do too, actually. I'm trying to get uh, my partner to watch it. Because <laughs> uh, it's just one of those matches where, like, you don't even have to like wrestling. Um, no. You can sit down and watch this, and it will captivate you. Um, even if, if nothing for the sheer athletics of the performers, you know, on, like, a completely uh, uh, superficial level, you will enjoy this match. It was – it's one of those things where, again, there's, there's the Christmas. It's like – that that they're really bleeding? Yeah, no, they're really bleeding. He smashed his face into the table, and you don't know if he cut himself or not. You don't know, but you know why he's bleeding. Yeah, that's right. right. You know that's real blood. You know, and then and then, spoilers to the match. We're gonna tell tell you everything that happened that night. But the the spot where Kenny Omega sets up the the steps, <laughs> yeah. gives him the DDT on the steps. He's gushing blood. Was it because he dropped his head on the steps? No, no, that can't. I don't know. What do you think? 
How yeah. did it look? And and the way that Osprey sold it, I don't know where you were sitting. I was sitting in section 320, kind of middle of the ring. Cool. And I had the a good view of the the screen. Yeah. But the way he sold that, just flopping down, didn't use his hands to stop him, just body, right. just boom. <laughs> yeah, I believed it. I believed it. That was real I believe, to me. I, I believed all of it. For 100%. The whole thing. I... No, they did such a good job that no part of my brain uh, was even attempting to tell me that I was watching a choreographed match. You know, uh, I believed everything while I was sitting there watching it. And I don't really, you know, uh, I don't think that a lot of people, um, non-wrestling fans, I should say, uh, really get there, you know. Uh, where they could be watching like a superhero movie and not for a second question um, that stuff is stunts or CGI. But when they get put in front of a wrestling match, like, oh, it's all choreographed and it's all staged. Even though they're watching the most insane, absurd feats of live athleticism that you could ever hope to see. Ever. Ever. In all sports. Yeah, in all sports. They, they, I don't care what anybody yeah. says. I mean, you want to, yeah, it, I tell people because they're like, I can't watch nothing that's not real. And I said, listen, <laughs> the result is predetermined. But yeah. you watch figure skating. Maybe you right. don't watch yeah. figure skating, but you can appreciate what it is they're doing. Yeah. Right. There's These no guys way. are dance partners that are, they're really hurting. When you see them hurting, they're they're most likely really hurting. Yeah. And and sometimes they sneak a real shot in because those guys <laughs> have a beef in the back. Right. Yeah. You know, there's layers to it. And but anyways, these guys incredible from start to finish. Just the entrances. It was just. It was almost like a superhero fight. It was, and that's why when people were like, "Yo, I can't," you know. Uh, they they can watch Marvel films and not question stuff. It's like this is just real life. That <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. It's yeah. it's these guys that are doing things that even when I go to the Parkdale Hall, they don't have any mats around the ring. So right. when they do a table spot, they're on the concrete. Oh God, you know, yeah. and you see them hit, and I'm just like, is that? Is what do you think? Was that real? <laughs> <laughs> Because you yeah. see the referee go and check them. Like, are you okay? Like, right, can you keep yeah. going? You do see the, them like, okay, give them 10 seconds. Guys, stay back. Don't touch them. Yeah. Man. Um, yeah. Did you have a person that you wanted to see win this match? Uh, no. I actually right. couldn't care less about who won. Uh, I know. It was more about, for me, how and why and... Uh, just the match itself. It, it was one of those things where I was like, I can't choose. It's impossible. Like, how, how do you choose between these two guys? Did you have a favorite spot? Uh, so I, I did. It was when they called back to the first match uh, with Kenny, I think, putting Osprey's head through the table. Uh, and it was the spot where they were by the announcer's desks mm -hmm. and Osprey was just smashing Omega's head into. And you could see that like Kenny wasn't really protecting himself. He didn't put his hands up. He just let his head hit the table. And I remember thinking like, oh, he's dead. That's it. He's killed him. He's killed him live in front of 
you know, whatever it was, uh, 20, 25,000 people, like he just died and we watched it. And, you know, obviously that's not true, but my brain at the time was like, oh, that's it. It's over. Um, and so that became the most memorable part for me, which I think I look back on the most fond. What was yours? Oh, man. There was a couple, and it was the – I love when you are wrapped up in the drama of a match where you're like, it might be over, but it can't be over. Yeah. This is just that moment. Right. It's like the the flag – Oh, when they yeah, did the yeah. when when they did the the spot with the flag that was pretty imp- it was I don't know if it was planned it seemed impromptu because he just was was doing crowd work right and they and they and they I feel improvised real cleverly and it was a callback to Shawn Michaels it was yeah now that uh, you mentioned that it's like yeah he basically did the same thing didn't he like yeah it was. Yeah. It was, yeah, and and the fact that he had kind of, in the media, from what my buddy Polly was telling me, that he was trashing Canadian wrestlers, and he trashed Brett, and uh, he threw on the sharpshooter midway through the match with blood <laughs> on both of their faces. Yeah. Right? I'm just yeah. like, oh, that's like, that's like the reverse Stone Cold. It's like the blood on his face is going to be iconic with Omega in the sharpshooter. Right, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's just these... these um moments where you're going to get a classic photo and you'll always remember that was from that match or that was from that match and then he he got out of the sharpshooter to put him in the crippler cross face yeah that was excellent and the crowd just was like oh you're dirty like you're just horrible right yeah yeah people booing that was so funny like it's oh and you wouldn't understand why if you weren't like a wrestler like it wouldn't make sense but that's what's cool about about these lifelong fans now who grew up and and because we have the the digital library to appreciate if guys who watched kids who watched WWE WWF superstars every Saturday morning yeah. <laughs> you know and you know we we grew up in that Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Diesel Champ era yeah. okay we would have loved to be able to watch NWA and all of those other matches from back in the day, we just couldn't. You didn't have enough. Ch- you didn't have the channels to do it. So now with this digital library, we know Dusty Roads and Hard Times. We know right. all of the classics. So when they throw stuff into these matches, you know they call oh, nice callback, like very well done. <laughs> yeah. Like MJF, for instance, he's just the he's the perfect amalgamation of heel. Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, Macho Man. Things he does, the way he preps to get into the ring, little facial expressions. He like he's just got those guys all mashed up, and he's found a way to embody them all. Right, and you know what? For me, that that is actually the perfect reason that I love um, John Moxley because he took um, the quiet, almost whispering terrifying promos of jake the snake roberts Mm -hmm. and incorporated that into his character as well as uh uh a little bit of piper as well as mixed in there he's this like amalgamation of these old you know 70s and 80s gruff terror kind of like scary psychotic uh wrestlers that kind of little mankind in there too oh for sure there's tons of mick foley in his promo 
Yeah. Um, and that is why I liked him was always for his promo skills. I thought his wrestling was serviceable and fine the way that you could say Stone Cold's wrestling was serviceable and fine. Like, yeah, he was actually a great technical wrestler when he was stunning Steve. Yeah. But then when he became Stone Cold, he was like, yeah, you're right. Trim down the move set. Yeah. But every once in a while, he, yeah, he would remind you why he was so goddamn good. Yeah. Stunning Steve Austin was actually a tremendous wrestler. Tremendous wrestler. Yeah. Like his technical skills. There was a reason that he got noticed and it wasn't because of, it was because of his looks. He did have a great look back then uh, or a decent look at least, but it was his wrestling. He, he could wrestle. And he has he has a set of matches with Steamboat, like going toe to toe with Steamboat for the That's TV right. title, right? Yeah. Uh, and if if anybody watches the uh, the first match with Bret Hart at Survivor Series, Bret Hart's just letting him showcase <laughs> that whole match. He's just saying, "Look at this guy. Yeah. Look at what he can do. He's got all he's got a all kinds of move sets." And and a lot of people think of WrestleMania 13, but that first match between them was very technical. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Austin could wrestle, uh, man. And it, yeah, no, he 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 was, and so I get a lot of that from Moxley. I'm just like, you know, he's a really good wrestler, but his promo skills and the way he carries himself in the ring, a lot of his like <laughs> kind of like um, jerky, almost uh, super suave like movements. Uh, and just the way he moves, I think, carry his character a lot. Um, and that's one of the reasons I like him. It actually has very little to do with his wrestling. Mm. you know. Uh, but I always liked guys like Jake Roberts and Roddy Piper who could cut promos on you. And Jake Roberts was incredible. One of the best of all time. like Because he wasn't yelling at you. Never. Never. He never yelled. He, he did, but like very rarely. But you uh, believed him. A hundred percent. I thought he was a terrifying human being when i was a kid because like he wasn't yelling at me the way like my folks did or you know just like uh the way somebody would when they're mad at you he just told you what he was going to do to you he told you how he was feeling and that was it he didn't have to back it up with, by raising his voice he could just yeah. tell you these things he could there listen was, to them and, yeah you know oh. there were certain guys who like jake roberts you would think to yourself, no, he's really, he's really doing that. Like he's, he's not a nice guy. Right. Yeah. There's no way he, there's no way he's not really giving that guy a DDT. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you almost watch him feeling like this has got to be real. Yeah. He was one of the guys that really, <laughs> for me, um, made me, made me question it when I was a kid, at least. Sure. Like, sure. You know, yeah. When you're a kid watching it, it's even watching back. Knowing his full story. Oh God, yeah. You you think like that's coming from a real place? Yeah, yeah. Now <laughs> with context of you know, yeah, made his life less private. Um, exactly. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you can watch that back and and now even as an adult, it's, it, I, I'm questioning the stuff I was watching, being like, oh, did he like, mm. you know, was that intentional or was right? He really, you know, yeah. Yeah, he has that 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 magic about his performance. He does. Um, going back to the Osprey and, and Omega match, the uh, it made the Jake the Snake the reference made me think of Osprey in that match when he licked his arm, <laughs> and they're like the crowd was just giving him shit like you're sick, yeah. yeah and he's yeah. like I am, 
Yes. It was yeah. a very Jake the Snake moment. For sure. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 100%. I got to say, one of the coolest spots was because everything seems so fluid and and almost clearly choreographed, but not because that's when it's really done well. You can't tell the difference. That's right. When it was that near fall, they were just going back and forth, near fall, near fall, near fall. And Don Callis had come back, given him the screwdriver. He drives it into Omega's forehead, hits him with a combination of moves, and throws his finisher on him. Yeah. And you're like, it's over. Yeah. And Omega's foot is just sitting on the rope. That was the best uh, rope break I've ever, ever seen. seen. Wrestling. Yeah. Ever. ever. It was yeah. me, both me and my buddy Polly just went, we just grabbed each other, like, oh, how did this, where was his foot? Like, when did he get <laughs> yeah. there? Just. Yeah a thing of beauty like someone like you said someone who doesn't appreciate the art of wrestling won't understand why that is is such a um what's the word like it takes your breath away yeah it does it yeah. really did and uh, yeah at that point of the match you just almost felt like what what's left right i i believe that match was over during that pinfall me too like i was ready to stand up and start clapping clapping I would have given yeah. them a round of applause, standing ovation, because that's how good it already was. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but then it kept going. Even when he kicked out of one winged angel at one, that that. But I think that got the the crowd amped up again because <laughs> yeah. after the rope foot break, if Omega doesn't steal the pin now, like fast, you almost feel like, oh, you kind of wasted that right rope break. How much more can you do before this becomes like, okay, guys, like, come on now. <laughs> and they found a way to do that. They did, yes. With the one, with the with jump out at one, it was, you know, that was a Hulk Hogan callback. It was, yeah. <laughs> it was so good. Yeah. It was perfect. It was uh, not expected in the in, in the very least. I I don't know. It just, it changed the, the uh, they played the audience so well in that match. They knew exactly how people would react to everything. Looking back at it, do you feel, and this is all hypothetical, mm -hmm. do you feel that they got together and said, what classic moments from classic matches should we all put into this? Because they had the sharpshooter with the blood on the face. Right. They, had, they threw in a crippler cross face. They got a DDT on stairs. Um, the, the foot on the rope. The count out at one, like there was the, the Jake the Snake sort of s diabolical, like there was a little bit of everything. Yeah, there was. So I'm not sure, obviously. I, I, yeah, of course know not. Until they tell us, right? Um, I like to think that they called so much of it in the ring. I think that, so. Right? Because like they are professionals. They have the knowledge. They have... Uh, the skills to essentially be able to probably with the exception of a few spots, um, a few spots. whatever they want in the ring. Um, yeah. You know, they're just that good. Uh, so part of me is like, Oh, it would have been cool if they researched all this stuff and decided to do it. But I mean, you know that they've been researching this stuff for their whole lives anyways. Right. Um, right. So there's no reason that they couldn't just call you know, back to them, call back to them on the fly. Even, uh, Stuff like the sharpshooter, they probably, um, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. They probably planned that in from the beginning. Because, like, how do you not do the sharpshooter in Canada? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
it's going to happen uh, at least once on a show um, where somebody probably who shouldn't be using the sharpshooter uses it. It's a cheap pop, right? It's free heat. Exactly. It's yeah. so smart. Yeah, yeah. Like you have to do something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was a beautiful the, match. There was that one point because I was watching both. Like I was looking up at the screen to see it clear and like detailed. And then I was looking down to see it in real time because there was a little delay. But there was that off the top rope closer to the ending half of the match outside right. of the ring. Yes. I forgot the move that he did, what it's called. But he, you could see that he was like, okay, okay, this is this is a big moment in this match. You you'd read wrestler body language, you could kind of tell. Yeah. And he hit it, and when he hit it, he gave himself like a fist pump, like we got <laughs> it. Did you see that? Did you see that? Moment? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was from yeah, like from the uh, was it from like the top rope outside yeah. the ring to the apron? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember what that was, but. Uh, it and I don't mean this with any disrespect, but as a like that was still an amazing part of the match, but it wasn't even close to being the best thing about it. You know what I mean? Which is so much about the match because like right, it was an amazing spot. It was ten out of ten. It was scary watching it. Uh, it was exhilarating. It was perfectly executed. Yeah, and they still did better things than that, which is like wild to. Consider. Well, for I don't know about you, but see, for me, the the foot break on the rope was better yeah me too and it wasn't nearly as athletic or as no physically impressive it was just that was that was pure storytelling uh and obviously there was an element of uh you know excellent execution to it because he had to get his foot on the top rope in a fraction of a second um and he was positioned in the perfect place to do that and everything lined up uh just incredibly well yeah it oh man this is such a good match what do you think of the knee lift thing in wrestling i feel it's overused because it's not signature it's almost like the new clothesline yeah so to me like kind kind of like the v like is it like like kind of like the v trigger like hit like the knee lift like yeah essentially just like yeah it's definitely done often and uh I see it more like the new super kick where it's like, you know, like it used to be a finishing move. That's uh, what I mean. It, it, it's, yeah. it seems like when people do it, like, oh, they got him on. And like, I've seen some guys pin someone with it. And then now right. in other matches, everyone's using it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you should use it that much. Right. I felt like that when the super kick was basically it stopped being used as a finisher because it is like a beautiful maneuver right like the super kick just the classic Shawn michaels Shawn michaels super kick right to the right to the mug snapping the head back the hair is flying back like it was just a beautiful move you realize when you try to duplicate that it's a lot easier to do stone cold stunner than it is for super kick (laughs) well i think that's why stone cold went with the stunner right because he was like oh it's easy i just fall on my ass even though it took a big toll on him absolutely on life but yeah, the super kick is a beautiful move, and I think so is something like the V trigger uh, mm-hmm. or the classic knee lift to the face. Uh, so I'm not surprised if people are kind of using something like that more often. I think it's, I think we'll start seeing that more and more often. I mean, even the pile driver was a finishing move at, at one point in time. Like yeah, that I can't remember 
who's moved. Paul Orndorff used to use it. Jerry Lawler. Jerry Lawler, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, who I associated with. I mean, that was that was a finishing move. And now I'm so curious to see where wrestling will end up in um you know, 20 years from now, how moves will have evolved and new things that people will do and what the ceiling looks like on that. Uh, to go back to comics for a quick moment, you look at modern day comic artwork, nothing looks like this from 50 years ago. No. Right? Like, and no disrespect to the masters who were working at that time. Um, but I mean, the things that people are doing now, and not even just digitally, like on paper, uh, they were things that you never saw back back in the day. The techniques have evolved so much. Mm. And at some point, there has to be a ceiling. Um, or at least a law of diminishing returns where new techniques are still being developed, but slower than they ever have been. And that has right. to happen in wrestling eventually. Well, that's the art of storytelling, right? I think that's what will always separate it. And I think that's what makes MJF work. Because sometimes I watch his matches and he's not... I prefer them because they're not just high spot, high spot, high spot, high spot. Because <laughs> after a while, I'm like, okay, I know how this works. And I can see some of you guys setting things up a little too much. Right. Some, right. Sometimes I'd rather just brass knucks. Like just, yeah. you know, a classic finish. Right. And I guess they did exactly that. They did brass knucks in the form of the diamond ring. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that would actually, that's a perfect example of how to evolve certain moves and gimmicks and stuff like that is make them story-centric. Yeah. Story and character-specific like MJF. Because now anytime somebody puts on a ring to hit somebody else, I'm going to think of MJF. (laughs) Yeah. You know? I'm not going to think of the brass knucks that William Regal used to clobber people with. Even though it's a direct callback Yep. William Regal. <laughs> yep. And his would have been a callback to somebody else. I, I'm not too sure who, but I mean Ric Flair used to do it all the time. Sure. Yeah, there you go. Right. So no, it's it's uh the storytelling is what what is gonna capture it was always gonna keep the magic alive. And when that's weak, people people have to take a break from it for a bit until they get yeah. what's that's this the, thing that's yeah. happening? Who's this guy? He's funny. You know, you need yeah. that again. Right. Um I wanna ask you about the Daniel Bryan or the Brian Danielson, yeah, out of match. Um, I wasn't sure if I was just overwhelmed by how good the Omega and Osprey match was. That this one was like, you're gonna really have to do something, <laughs> and it was a good match. But was, I feel like yeah. I feel like something happened that well, wasn't. He, yeah, go ahead. He did break his arm in that match, right? Like <laughs> Brian Danielson, like he f- actually did break his arm. Where was that spot? It was like 10 minutes before the... Uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was like 10 minutes before the match ended, and he like kept wrestling with that, you know, a broken freaking arm. So uh, Talk about not being real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's That's definitely... crazy. Yeah, it was, it was pretty wild, yeah. Um, but yeah, he just kept going. And so I think, I think this was supposed to be the first match in what will be a series. Um, I mean, two of the best in the world, the hottest wrestlers on the planet, you know, having a best, you know, whatever, two out of three, like I'm here for it. So even though this match maybe didn't live up to what a lot of people were hoping for, 
um, including myself. I thought it would have been more of like a technical masterpiece when it was more of a slow uh, plotting story driven style match. Yeah. Uh, still a hundred percent down with that. It just made me more excited for what would be next. I think if they were going to do anything differently, maybe put that on before Omega and Osprey. Yeah. I mean, I, you may be able to speak more to this than me, but apparently Okada is, you know, a wrestling God. Yeah. You, where he, he, yeah. he's, he always goes on last. Like that's just how it is. And, and that's, I mean, he's the, he's the Japanese equivalent of John Cena. You know, he's okay. the guy who's been around forever, who people have loved and who people have hated with every passion of their being. Um, you know, because he's being pushed and toted in Japan as like this unbeatable baby face who everyone should love. It, it was this exact same thing that happened with John Cena. So, um, but he's also, he backs it up because he's such a good wrestler. It's just people get sick and tired of him, you know? It's the exact, you, anything you say about Cena, uh, you can almost say about uh, uh, Okada. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what made it so interesting was, uh, you know, it, there it was almost impossible to call how this match would go because yeah. does NJPW protect right. their biggest baby face of all time? Right. Um, or does the best technical wrestler in the world win the match, you know? Do you, so you put Danielson up there as like he is the best of his generation. I think he's, yeah, the best pure professional wrestler on the planet right now even more than omega yes i i think so yeah what uh, is it that separates them for you that you give someone the edge uh for me it's the ability to do uh anything and i think omega actually excels above danielson for certain things like um athleticism uh and speed and ferocity and stuff like that uh but i think uh daniel bryan's or brian <laughs> yeah i, I, I do it too mix, mixed up with his wwe name um brian danielson danielson yeah yeah he uh he can do all of that stuff but he also excels at slow technical matches uh and storytelling and character work uh I, it, to me, he just fires on every single cylinder, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't have the. So I I feel like Omega matches are very similar, every single one. Would you? Sorry to cut you off. Would you say that it's like a comparison between Brett and Sean, Omega being Sean, and and Danielson being more like Brett? That's very fair. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, because Shawn Michaels was such a an amazing entertainer and Incredible. anyone could watch him and find I, something to love. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Bret Hart, you kind of sometimes had to tell people why this is so cool <laughs> and like why he was so good. Like you would have to tell people like, no, no, what you're watching right now is a technician at work. Yeah. Nothing he's doing. And, but see, I think the, with guys like that and, and I was, watching it with Danielson because that's how I was like okay 
I see what he's doing. <laughs> he's he's telling a story. They're building to something. They're they're taking right. us there. They're they're slowly giving us what we've come to see. They're not just right. going to spoil us with it. That's and then, right. Yeah. And then when it got to that submission and it ended, spoilers. Danielson wins, and you're like, that's it. That's how it's going to go. There's yeah. not going to be a, a a thousand close finishes and big. Rah, rah. It was just like no. They they. And then you saw his arm. You literally, when he <laughs> thanks the crowd, you could see, like, why does his arm look like it's disconnected? <laughs> yeah. Right? And then you That's come right. to learn, like, okay, that guy, like, wow. For him to put on the match he put on with a broken arm completely changes everything that you saw. That, that is true. Like, it it did change a lot to learn that, okay, he actually, like, broke his arm and kept going. Um because that is obviously like, uh, like, how do you do that? How do you, and and his like, submission hold required him to like grip it. Yeah, that's right. It's like he had to use his arm to, to win that match. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I do think that you know, Omega, for example, he probably would have done the same thing if he heard, had hurt himself. Yeah. But the only thing is, um. Let's say Omega did hurt himself. Would he still have been able to pull off his insane moveset? Would he, you know, if he broke his leg, would he still be able to, or if he broke his arm, would he still be able to pull off the one-winged angel? Would he be able right. to right. have done all this right. stuff? And that's why I think being a technical wrestler is more important for me and for my tastes than being... Um, Mine as well. I'm in the same league. Yeah, yeah. no, you're a, hey, you're a, Bret Hart fan through and through, you know <laughs> through what it's through. like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think it's, you know, it, it's more important and impressive for me to, uh, for, to, to, to enjoy like technical aspects of wrestling. Yeah. Of because you, you watch them and you realize like none of their moves are wasted. Everything right. they're doing is a part of the, the story they're telling in the match. They're not just, hitting you on the knee and then not hitting you like if he hits you on the knee he's going to keep hitting you on the knee the <laughs> yeah. whole time and you're going to get bored of it but you're going to be like okay he's oh that's why because he's going to do that move to him right yes yeah you know yeah, yeah it all, always comes back yeah did you have a uh, dark horse match of the night like one that was that you liked more than you thought you would uh liked more than i thought i would hmm because I know you loved all of, all the matches for the most part. Uh, for the most part, I did. Yeah, I I think so. More than I thought I did. That's a hard one to answer. I know that uh, I was really excited to see Minoru Suzuki um, wrestle because uh, he's just one of my favorite NJPW guys and has been mm. for a very long time. Right, um, right, right. So I was super excited to, to see his match. Um, I think it was the one where he he teamed up with uh, Jericho, Jericho and then Guevara, and it was just that <laughs> kind of spot they did uh, where Sammy did his like pose where he was laying down, and then Jericho got on top of him and posed, and then Suzuki got in the ring and posed on top of him, and the crowd just lost. It was uh, <laughs> one of my favorite things to see in a very long time. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of fan service. There was lifelong yeah. wet wrestling fans. There was something for everybody there. I mean, you oh, got to see Sting and Jericho. 
Come that on. in itself is wild to to consider that. Um, especially because so many people thought Sting was done after WWE. Yeah, I mean he's he's making it stretch. That's for sure. <laughs> he is, yeah, but he's doing such a good job of it. Yeah, um, passing the torch over to uh, Darby Allen, who's yeah. very very entertaining to watch. Can you imagine that just being somebody like Darby Allen, and it's just like, oh, the early parts of my career uh, were, f- you know, formative early parts of my very professional career were alongside sting it's like whoa you know what we should do next time we do this we should we should uh give our top 10 top 10 wrestlers top of all ten, time top 10 wrestlers because i was just thinking of sting where, where would we rank him because he's undoubtedly a legend yeah one of the biggest names and recognizable faces but where 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 would he rank up amongst the other greats you know well, he's, what, what's the criteria yeah. is this wrestling alone is this uh full career is this um yeah i i love the idea let's let's do something like that next time let's do like a top 10 that'd be fun that'd be fun um for me i really enjoyed the orange cassidy match cool that's yeah no i was really entertained by daniel garcia surprisingly (laughs) it just was making me bust the gut even as he was getting chopped he would still start dancing (laughs) well his whole thing right now is that he's trying to fight the idea that he's a sports entertainer but he's acting like a sports entertainer he, you know like he he can't help himself is a sports entertainer and it's yeah excellent. no he's doing yeah it was it was a that was a great match because there's so many moving parts in a four-way match yes. and a lot on the line and again a lot of like reputations because people especially if you're a champ you're not just trying to lose and not mean something or you can't just your loss has to be a part of the next portion of the story. That's right. Yes. Yeah. You know, and and there's an there's and that's the thing that you know, that's not fake. Is there's an art to what they're doing here. Yeah. And and you're gonna leave upset for a reason. It's not not by design for you to be upset with something unless they just did a really bad performance. <laughs> right. And yeah. it was predictable. Yeah. You know, but in this case, like you you really. Uh, you felt okay most likely the it seemed like AEW was protecting their characters but not in the case of not in the case of uh Omega certainly right? not no so so you anything could have happened and and it was a a really entertaining match with really cool spots good choreography but also at the same time just flowing Flowing rules that the suplex thing that they were all doing to each other. And just, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of it, it can't just you can't just do it because if you don't do it timed right, it'll look really silly. Oh, for sure, and people will get injured, and it, it's yeah, like it. But I mean, those guys, I'm not surprised to be honest that they had such a banger of a match because like they're all just like insanely talented like they're are they are where they are for a very good reason but at the same time when it happens it's so uh it's it's so nice when they just pull off like a yeah a, a perfect high flying match the way that they did yeah and you could you could see too the appreciation that a lot of those guys had for each other professionally oh for sure yeah you know when you break the fourth wall and you even you know cm punk in his match 
even though he was getting booed and booed like a, more than just a heel. Like the, <laughs> the, the, the fans were like, we do not want you here kind of. Yes. Yeah. And even he put on a show. He still went out there and put on a show and, and was very grateful to his partner in the ring. Big time. Yes. And, and he leaned into uh, being treated like a bad guy, you know, like, yeah, he, it was, it was kind of reminiscent of uh, Hogan and rock where rock was being booed, but he was the bad, he was the good guy. Mm-hmm. And so they just flipped it. And Hogan was like, I'm going to fight as a, as a face and you're going to fight as a heel. And they f- flipped it live. And, Toronto um, fans make do stuff like that. Every pay per view, <laughs> yeah. every yeah. pay per view, they'll, they'll flip something. Yeah, yeah. They, and, and I remember when I watched Nitro here, when the first time WCW came live, they cheered Hogan, and he was supposed to be a heel in NWO. Yeah. And they cheered him until he started to do the Hulkamania shit. Yeah. Okay. And he can't. He had to come back in WCW and in. in I would say that the next six months, maybe less, he was right. in red and yellow. <laughs> That's awesome. after being in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, it was something else, man. It was it was so funny. That's really funny that they cheered him for his Hulkamania stuff. Because I don't think people here had seen him since right forever. That's probably true. Yeah. So you just had everyone there full of nostalgia yeah. for Hogan, you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, there's, there's, this was, this was really, really amazing to watch. I was so happy to have been there live to say, did you get a t-shirt? I didn't get a t-shirt. I wanted to get a hat, but, uh, they ran out immediately of the hats I was looking at. Did you get one? Nah, we wanted, um, we were trying to get the bullet club t-shirt. Um, and I, I was thinking about the new Japan t-shirt. It's just. T-shirts are expensive, man, at these well, events now. Yeah, they're not supposed to be like sixty dollars uh, for a shirt. Um, okay, I thought it was just me. I'm like, damn, sixty dollars. No, no, for a I t-shirt? mean, I would have gotten one if they were thirty bucks. I would love. Yeah, to. I probably would have got two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, yeah. You know, I would have liked. Um, there's a cool one that they had where it said, "I was there." I uh, yeah, that's right. That yeah. was kind of neat to to just have that for such an event to yeah. you know remember it because man. As lifelong wrestling fans, man, this was a sight to behold just for the performance of it all. Yes, it was a once in a lifetime thing. Um, and I don't know, I'm just, I, I feel like this is one of those things that people are going to look back at and just be like, what, what else, what, like, what, what better cards have there been? Uh, not just like in Canada, but like. It's not hyperbolic to say that. The Omega Offspring match is it? I would nominate it for the greatest match I've ever watched in my life. Yeah, I would too, personally. Um, yeah, especially live. It was and they're cool. not. Neither of them are wrestlers that are my favorite. As far as like, I'm rooting for this guy. I just wanted to see the performance of like two talents, and it was. I can't think. I can't honestly think of. I've seen Hogan and. The Rock Live, which was incredible. Yeah. It doesn't come close. No, not even close, no. Um, yeah, I've never been around an audience like the one that was at Forbidden Door. It was crazy. Yep. I, I hope people get a chance. If you get 
a way to watch the match. Will Ospreay, Omega, Forbidden Door 2 in 2023. Send it my way, please, because I want to <laughs> watch. I want to show my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Because, man, like you said, wrestling fan or not, it's just a piece of art. For sure. Yeah. You don't have to care about the characters. You don't have to care about the promotion. You don't have to care about the story to watch that match for 40 minutes and have fun and have a good time. You know, you can watch a match like that um, strictly for the aesthetics and the fun. A hundred percent. Something like, you know, Brian and Okada, you probably can't. Um, That's for us. That's for us. us. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I feel you on that. You would have to explain a lot watching a match like that, but not so much um, Osprey and Omega. I mean, yeah. it, it, there there is stuff to explain for context, but even still, you don't need to know the history of the, you know, the the sharpshooter and the, the crypto crossface right. and the the, the yeah. flag and the this and the like. Yeah, it'll it, it's one of those things that if that gets you into wrestling and you learn all that other stuff as it comes, you'll be able to like, oh, that that thing, right? That's right. And yeah. and if you don't, the audience will tell you when something is amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like their reaction will make you wonder like wait why is this so interesting why why did they just get so loud when this one wrestler put this move on the other wrestler um like you know what i mean the audience will tell you when something cool is happening even if you don't immediately understand it do you think this match was better than omega and okada the seven star uh yeah i i think so yeah i think so too i watched that one and i and i enjoyed it i thought it was a you know five-star match but this was like that got seven stars this gets 10. yeah i incredible yeah the star ratings are very personal i think to Meltzer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, there's a bias there for sure. For sure, a hundred percent. Just like us, just like us, just like us, absolutely. But uh, that's the fun of it, right? That is the fun. Yeah, it's not something you're supposed to take seriously. And look, we're gonna have our own star ratings for things, and people are gonna disagree with that and think they're ridiculous. But that is the fun, like you said. Oh, this is good. I can't wait for the next time we do this. Yeah, uh, Sean, it's always a blast talking to you, buddy. I'm going to let yeah, you get back too. to your work. You're always drawing away. You got <laughs> books coming out. Can't wait for the Arn Anderson. Yeah, thank you. Biography. But uh, top 10 next time. We could do a top 10. Let's do it. Let's do the list. Yeah. All right. I like it. Everybody, thank you for listening to us Babylon about wrestling, professional wrestling. We love it as much as we love comic books, sometimes more. Yeah. Um, and if you get a chance, watch this. Watch this forbidden door pay-per-view it's worth it it's worth the price of admission yeah do it john thank you my buddy thanks man take care everybody we will be back soon uh rate and review subscribe to the show don't forget to follow sean daly on all your social medias bye-bye everybody peace take care you too man thank you